This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Damian Bulwa, Managing Editor of the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, a litany of complaints about police in Vallejo. In the last five years, at least 60 people have formally complained that they were victims of excessive force by officers in that city. Our East Bay columnist, Otis Taylor Jr., has been digging into the records, and he writes, police stops that were initiated for minor infractions or for unclear reasons often turn into violent encounters in Vallejo. Otis is back on the podcast. Otis, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me, Damien. I appreciate it. Otis, you report that Vallejo police have fatally shot 19 people since 2010 and that the city has paid out nearly 16 million now to deal with civil rights claims and lawsuits. But your focus here is on everyday interactions that go bad. Let's start with Delon Thurston. Who is she? Delon Thurston is a black woman. She's a massage therapist. And I took an interest in her case because Delon was just driving home after work. She puts this oily treatment on her hands and she wears plastic gloves so she doesn't stain her leather steering wheel. Well, according to police, that suggests the wearing of the gloves, the plastic gloves suggests someone is stealing a car and don't want to leave their prints. And therefore, on one evening in October of 2018, the police got behind Delon Thurston on her way home. And Damien, they arrested her in her driveway even after they found out that the car was hers. They were able to determine that the car was not stolen, but she still was arrested. And her charge? Resisting arrest. So that's uh, somewhat of a common charge that we see in cases that become controversial. Um, but she says she was uh, roughed up by the police, right? Yes. So when the police approached her window, there she said there was one who came to the driver's side, another who crept beside the car, and that person had a taser in her recollection, and she felt threatened. She felt that she could have become any number of black people who have been harmed or at worst killed by police with these, you know, everyday daily interactions. And so she was afraid. And when they approached, she decided to roll up her window because their demeanor to her really scared her. And when she rolled up the window, that's when she was uh, the officer opened the door and pulled her out of the car and slammed her face first onto the concrete in her driveway of her own home. Okay, so what happens um, with her case, with her arrest um, and, and with her complaint against the police? Sure. So uh, Delon says that um, she was handcuffed there in, in her driveway and then um, 
you know, which is part of her lawsuit, she said that uh, a female officer touched her inappropriately while giving her a pat down. And Delon says the same thing happened when she was booked into the detention center. She was again touched inappropriately, she felt. And that's part of her lawsuit. But really what her lawsuit and what many lawsuits in Vallejo allege is that innocuous behavior of just being a person and many times being a person of color, police react violently and then they have nothing on them. And so the only charge is that they've resisted. Well, a lot of these folks have made the point that if police had not made the contact, there would be no charge. In the case of Delon Thurston, the Solano County District Attorney's Office declined to prosecute. And now she's in a lawsuit phase because this charge is dropped. So why was I arrested in the first place? Okay, so the the litigation is still is still ongoing, right? And the city has it, it is, has it commented. Uh, the city hasn't commented commented to me, but the city has denied the allegations in court documents, and the city has also moved to dismiss. A judge hasn't granted that. You took a look at a whole bunch of cases, right? I mean, you mentioned right. that at least 60 allege um, excessive force. And we should mention to people that that you're looking at, at, I don't know if people know this, but you're looking at claims, which are something that people have to file first if they're going to sue the police. They got to first file a claim, see if the city wants to deal with that. If the city doesn't respond to the claim, that's when they go to court, right? Exactly. So you, if you have an interaction with the police, and it could be, and I looked at claims that were everything from property damage because of a police uh, chase, uh, dog bites, um, to um, actually people being arrested and, and saying that excessive force was used, to file, before you can file a lawsuit against the city, you have to go um, to City Hall and get a form. And it's actually a printed form that you have to fill out with your name, address, birthday, uh, phone number, and then you have to detail uh, what happened in, in the incident. Um, I also found, Damien, that there are people who have had incidents with the police and they were too afraid to fill out that claim and then therefore go after a lawsuit because they feared retaliation from the police department. And so in reviewing all of these cases and the lawsuits, um, what were some of the features that that stood out in them in terms of the encounters people were having? What some that I, I noticed was either uh, black men or women walking to their car um, black men sitting in their car, black families sitting in their car, and then police officers come upon them and ask them what they're doing. And then it immediately escalates because being black in America doesn't mean I'm automatically guilty. And you're approaching me, asking me questions about why I'm sitting here. One case that comes to mind is of Robert Strong, 23-year-old black man, who was dropping off a special needs client at their house. As he was returning to his car, a Vallejo police officer passed him and decided to do a U-turn and then ask him what he was doing in a the neighborhood. Then he said that the plates on the black man's car were expired. The black man tells him, no, that's not until the end of the month. And the police officer takes a s exception when the black man begins to film him. 
And it results in that black man being put in a chokehold and choked unconscious by the police officer. All for what? For doing his job? For walking to his car and taking umbrage to a police officer asking him why he was in a neighborhood when he was just there working? That's what some people encounter in Vallejo. And I think, Damien, we have to recognize that in this climate, since George Floyd's passing and, you know, the social unrest that we've seen in the streets, that people are recognizing that they need to videotape their encounters with police officers so they have some sort of protection because they cannot rely on the police accurately reporting the incidents. And we've seen that several times in Vallejo alone. And it's fully legal to record the police, correct? Yes, yes. I am in a public place. I am recording. And uh, in Vallejo, the officers, uh, in more than one incident caught on video, the officers have taken offense to a person recording them. Even though uh, there was one incident, a black man is on her porch on the property that he owned. And a police officer took offense to him recording and accosted the man. There, That led to another lawsuit. Otis, let's talk about accountability. I mean, the national movement right now uh, that especially uh, intensified after the George Floyd killing. A lot of it is about accountability and what's in place um, to deter police from bad behavior. Um, in looking at all these cases and where they went and how they entered the court system and how the city responded, um, what is the accountability for police in Vallejo? And, and that's that's the key issue here, uh, Damien. Uh, as you know, John Burris, a, a well-known civil rights attorney in the Bay Area um, who has pushed for oversight of the Oakland Police Department, and we're going on almost two decades of federal oversight uh, for the Oakland Police. He wants that same type of over oversight, federal oversight in Vallejo. Why? Because he's handled so many cases where the instances are similar and – Many of his clients, and of course he feels the same, that there has been nothing done to change how police interact with potential suspects, with people. And uh, my reporting, I, you know, I tried to find out uh, what, if any, discipline has been meted out to police officers that have been accused of excessive use of force. Vallejo does not want to reveal those the results of the internal affairs investigations. And here might be why, because the OIR group, which is a police oversight, um, they do police audits. They found that the Vallejo Police Department did not hold their officers accountable um, for use of force in, in instances where the police officers didn't accurately or fully document the use of force that occurred. So there's two things right there. They're not documenting the use of force issues. And two, when there are use of force issues, supervisors are not um, addressing the issues that arise from those cases. So right now, the public in Vallejo has been clamoring. They've been calling for city leaders to do something about policing. And the least that could be done is to hold officers accountable. And we're not seeing that because, Damien, in in the first weekend or the first week of social unrest after George Floyd's death, Vallejo police shot and killed another person. And 
how could that happen when this climate uh, that we're in right now is demanding that the police use restraint when um, when potential suspects are not posing any type of threat same thing occurred in wisconsin where jacob blake was shot seven times in his back while he's trying to reach into his car he's getting away trying to get away from police officers the same thing happened to ronnell foster he was shot in the back in the head when he's trying to flee a police officer in vallejo okay before we take a break real quick the district attorney have they charged any police officers in the time period that you studied with the crime uh, no, Damien. I went back uh, more than a decade, two decades actually, to see if a police officer in Vallejo had been charged for um, a deadly use of force, and that has not happened. All right, Otis, let's take a quick break. This is Fifth and Mission. When we come back, more on Otis Taylor's investigation of use of force in Vallejo. We'll be right back after a short break. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back. I'm Damian Bulwa. This is Fifth and Mission. I'm joined by one of our columnists, Otis Taylor. He writes about the East Bay, and he's written a story about use of force in Vallejo and a litany of complaints over the last several years. Otis, we talked about how there'd been no charges by prosecutors, and, and we can't always get a window into discipline from internal affairs because of personnel privacy, but a lot of the officers mm -hmm. that you wrote about are still on the force, so we at least know that they have not been fired. Right, and in fact, there are officers who, um, who have been involved in multiple fatal shootings, multiple excessive use of force cases that have been promoted. Um, there are officers who have been in charge of leading investigations um, that have turned out to be flawed that have been pr promoted. So what that suggests and what experts have told me is that uh, the culture within the police department um, does not um, support um, – it doesn't support uh, penalizing police officers for their behavior. And in fact, the OIR group found that um, when there were cases um, that warranted discipline, that the Vallejo Police um, Department just didn't discipline officers. Let's talk about another person who you wrote about who had complained about an encounter with Vallejo police. That's Jose Villalobos. Yes. Uh, Jose, um, a Latino man, very, very devout Christian. He was at church with his family. He was walking to the bathroom when he was accosted by not one, not two, by three Vallejo police officers. He said he was punched, 
His head was hit against the wall. He cracked his head when he uh, fell to the floor. And he asked them, what are you doing this for? Who are you? I don't have any money. Jose thought he was being robbed, Damien. Why? Because the police officers, according to Jose and his attorney, the police officers didn't announce themselves. They dragged this man out of church in front of his wife and his children. They put him in a police car. That's when they realized that he wasn't the person they were looking for. That has incensed Jose and his attorney. His, his attorney asked the question. He is not he was not hurting anybody. He was not threatening anyone. He was in the house of worship going to use the bathroom. What warranted use of force in that situation? That's what he's asking in his lawsuit. But talking to Jose, um, he's he's scared because if I'm doing something as innocuous as going to church and using the bathroom, and that can happen to me. What can happen to me if I'm driving my car or if police are looking for another suspect, say a murder suspect? What happens then? What kind of force are they going to use then? Um, Jose's story, chillingly is not very different from many others in that city. As you're gathering all this research and you're looking at these cases, new developments keep popping yes. up in Vallejo. And I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, you wrote that 44 officers um, that work for the city have shot people since 2010. 14 of those officers have multiple shootings. Again, we mentioned um, almost $16 million in payouts for civil rights lawsuits and other claims and that doesn't include some of the cases you say are pending um let's let's yes, talk there's... let's talk a little bit about those cases the ron l foster case which you mentioned just reached a settlement mm -hmm. right 5.7 million dollars okay what happened in the ron l foster case that's 2018 right yes so ron l foster was riding his bike on sonoma boulevard in vallejo at night without lights it's something you see in San Francisco, you see it in Oakland, you see it in Vallejo. There's a lot of people that you see riding without lights on their bikes. It's dangerous, yes. The Vallejo police officer wanted to stop Ronnell Foster to teach him a lesson, he said, in his officer-involved shooting interview. Ronnell fled on foot from the police officer. The officer chased him down a dark alley. And according to the officer, he fired his taser and he hit Ronnell several times with his flashlight. According to the police officer, Ronnell somehow grabbed the flashlight, gained control of it, and then he stood and was approaching the police officer in a threatening manner. That's not what the body camera footage shows. The footage shows Ronell Foster cowering, lifting his arms in defense of the blows that were being rained down on him by a police officer that stood over him. Ronell, you see him grab the flashlight and then turn as if he's trying to run, and then the shots are fired. Ronell was hit in, his, in the back, and he was hit in his head, in the back of his head. That does not suggest that he was approaching the officer in a threatening manner that settlement is the largest for a civil rights violation in the city's history and according to a family attorney it suggests 
how deeply serious the inc- incident was that the city is having to pay out almost $6 million for a fatal shooting. But will something change? We don't know because Sean Monterosa was the young man who was fatally shot uh, in June during um, uh, alleged riots and looting in Vallejo. All right. So Sean Monterosa, the more recent case, an officer uh, with two partners is pulling into this lot of Walgreens. The officer who fires his gun is in the backseat with a rifle. And as the mm-hmm. we see it on the body camera, as the as the truck, the police truck is coming into the parking lot, the officer fires the rifle actually through the front windshield, killing Sean Monterosa. The officer says that he thought Sean Monterosa might be um, going for a gun in his waistband. But in fact, Sean Monterosa did not have a gun. He did not have a gun. And, and interesting about that case is that the police chief initially said that the young man was on his knees or crouching with his arms raised. The Vallejo Police Officers Association released another s- statement saying that Monterosa was in a crouch similar to a stance that he was attempting to shoot. The interesting thing that I found really interesting was that there is no actual video of the shooting. At least that has been released because officer body cam does not actually show what Monterosa was doing at the time. But it cannot be ignored that the young man did not have a handgun on him. He allegedly had a hammer and according to the police, he reached for something as if he was about to shoot. That's not the case because he didn't have a firearm on him. All right. So that case is under investigation, correct? So we don't uh, exactly know how it will end. We do know that the district attorney did not charge in the Ron L. Foster case. Um, so, Otis, looking at all these things, the fatal shootings, um, the complaints about excessive force in more everyday interactions, what is the takeaway for you um, in this larger movement that's going on? Why should people outside in Vallejo and outside Vallejo um, care about what you found here? Well, because what the data shows is that Vallejo is about 22% black, but yet in the most recent data that we have, arrest data, in 2018, black people represented 49% of arrests in that city. Black people also represent half of use of force incidents in the city. And the question must be asked, why is that happening Why are black people disproportionately being arrested and why are they disproportionately having force used against them? And that's uh, a question I've asked uh, policing experts. That's a question that I've wanted to ask uh, city officials um, like the city manager, but he has been unwilling to sit for an interview with me. I think we are seeing – A microcosm of what's ailing policing as a whole in this country is that the either the inability or the indifference to actually open up and be accountable. Let us see what is happening. Let us see who these officers are and what kind of discipline they're having, because right now in this state, you could have a poor record at a police department and just make a lateral move. To another police department, um, 
we are seeing that the accountability mechanisms mechanisms that are in place right now are limited and they're not getting the job done because people are still getting hurt. Um, and at this point, um, the only thing that has um, changed Vallejo's minds was um, or had city officials actually acknowledging that there were problems in the police department was the death of George Floyd. And that has incensed some of the residents, families, members who, of people who have been victims of police violence. Why did it take a man, you know, thousands of miles away in Minnesota? Why not my brother? Why not my son? Why not my boyfriend? Why not my husband? Why not here? Why did that not make a difference? And I think it's... um. I think that's a valid question. Um, this city uh, or city leadership has not shown um, a sense of immediacy for for what's happening with its police department. And I think people are frankly tired of it, Damien, and um, they should be because the police are there to protect and serve. We're told that. But it seems that these police officers and in many, many instances have – either overreacted or they have just not had the training to de-escalate a situation and they too often resort to force that injures people and it 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 um you know and people uh they leave scarred and you know take Delon Thurston um lifelong Vallejo residents re- resident but you know she can't go any place without looking over her shoulder and she's afraid that her looking for police cars is going to make her look guilty and give police another reason to assault her. Yeah, you and you um, raised two sort of related issues that have have come out in the national movement. Um, one is that people are outraged and they they don't want to see these uh, these things that happen on video, like George Floyd, and, and feel like someone has died. Um, but related to that is. Um, is a sort of loss of confidence that there's accountability and that, you know, that that police officers are subject to some of the same accountability that you or I are, right? Exactly. Well, you take the Monterosa case, Damien. Again, we're in the midst of social uprising right now over police brutality and systemic racism. The windshield in that the police officer shot through to fatally shoot Monterosa was allegedly destroyed by the police department. Now, how can that happen in this climate when you are paying attention to this push to defund, to this push to reform police departments? How could that possibly happen? Well, one answer is that in Vallejo, there are no repercussions for behavior of police officers. There is nothing that says if you do something incorrect, you will be disciplined. Now, you're right. We, we are not privy to what happens in internal affairs investigations. What we do have is a police auditing group saying that Vallejo does not discipline its officers adequately. And when they do discipline them, it does not resemble a punishment fitting what happened, the infraction. And that's problematic when you have an outside group saying, hey, guys, Here's 45 recommendations, and one of those is you're not um, reporting use of force accurately, and you're not disciplining your officers for infractions. That says to the public that 
internally that maybe the police officer needs some police officers need some pressure to do right. All right, Otis, let's leave it there. Thanks for joining me and thanks for your work. Um, And I know you're continuing to look into things out in Vallejo and we really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks to my guest today, Chronicle columnist Otis Taylor Jr., to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening.